Welcome to episode 34 of the Redeemed Hearts podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. Your hosts, Worley and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. This week's episode, Enough is Enough, is part one of a discussion with Worley and Danina on suffering well in today's world. Part two will be out next week. Thanks so much for listening today. Here's Worley and Danina. Well, it's good to be back again. We uh, took some time off during the summer, and then we didn't actually. The podcast for September were some that we'd done before. So it's the first time we've actually recorded a podcast in some time. So we are glad to be here and to be doing this together. We are. And I was going to say, as we do this, that this may... We have this, you may hear this in a couple of podcasts, or it may just be one podcast. We haven't determined that yet, but we're just going to talk together today for a little bit here. And uh, we have a topic that I think uh, everybody's going to find very interesting and helpful. We're all living it. We are living it. Right now, yeah. And one of the things as we start that I would ask you when I say we're all living it is do you ever find yourself thinking or saying, Enough is enough. I I think you say that quite often. Do to I? Me. Enough is, is enough. enough. Mm-hmm. That's I've had enough of you, Worley. Is yeah. that what I say? Well, yeah, just that's a very familiar <laughs> phrase. I feel like I can hear hear that in my sleep. Uh, oh, sure. Enough is enough. Matter of fact, I think it woke me up last night. Oh, brother. You saying okay. enough is enough? <laughs> but I think we do. I think there's a sense right now where. Uh, if you ask people about how they feel about what's going on, mm-hmm. you might hear that refrain, enough is enough. And it's it's not tied to, we're joking around about it, but it's tied to the topic we're going to talk about today, which is um, a very serious topic, and it is what we are all living. We are just surrounded by suffering. Yeah, we want to talk today about suffering and struggle that we see going on in the world, and it's not just in the world, but in people that we know. And we want to do it from a biblical perspective of what God says through the words of Jesus and the writing of Paul uh, about suffering, and they actually talked about suffering that um, includes the time in which we're living. The suffering and struggle we see in the world in everyday headlines, things like the COVID pandemic, it just goes on and on, bringing grief into people's lives continuously. The unknowns and disagreements about treatment and vaccinations, on and on. We're in the middle of that. I mean, right now, it's big time in the headlines. Yeah, and we're recording this in September. We're right before September 11th. So we're reminded of what happened, you know, 20 years ago with the terrorists. But a few weeks ago, an earthquake was in Haiti, and it was the second one in, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in a decade. We've the, had the hurricane and the floods um, from the, Ida. That hurricane was interesting in New Orleans because it was on the exact same date as the, the devastating one, was it 14 years ago? Mm-hmm. Katrina. So, um, and there's a fight over abortions, and we, you know, that, that's unsettling. And just today, I mean, what'd you tell me the headline said? 
Well, the one about that the federal government is suing the state of Texas. Yes. Because of abortions and mm-hmm. the war in Afghanistan um, has been unsettling mm-hmm. with how that's been handled, but just the, the, the whole thing. And so we both know it's the, the, just these few things is only a small sampling of the struggle in the world, but we mention them because they're current. They're mm-hmm. things that we've been going through. And each has a story of its own, and each contains devastation for those directly impacted and sorrow for those who might be related to those uh, impacted. But it affects all of us. Mm. We, we can identify if we were in the shoes of the people that are going through some of the more distant things. Mm. So that's struggles and sufferings in the world, but there's also struggle and sufferings going on in people. And we experienced this firsthand a few weeks ago. Our neighbors died of complications to COVID, both the husband and wife. Um, they were relatively young, just about our older age, than us. Just uh-huh. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And heartbreaking because it was jarring in its suddenness. They both seemed to be in relatively good health. Um, but also because of the hole it leaves for their sons who are out of the home but young men. Mm-hmm. We look over, the house is empty. It's a constant reminder. It's just, you know, it's so fresh for us and just the sudden change. It's just mm-hmm. completely changed. But even what we've talked about is it's the loss that, uh, I mean, that's not in our immediately immediate family right now. I mean, we've had that in immediate family, but it's in their family. And we were just thinking on Labor Day, you know, looking over at their house and their nice front porch that they've spent time fixing up and just knowing that their kids probably would have been coming home for the holidays. Yeah, it's just, and and now it's empty. how quickly it was over within a matter. Very quickly, just suddenly for all of them. Feeling for them, yeah. And we share that story because we know it's been repeated throughout the country and the world. Yes. And it makes the pandemic personal. And it reminds us that death can come anytime for any one of us. Mm-hmm. So there's an intensity to the times right now and an intensity in the suffering that people are experiencing right now and fear and anxiety among people that are all-time high right now. And we see that. We're, we're seeing that as we work as counselors. Um, that it's going on. And so we want to talk about suffering uh, from several passages in which God speaks to these things through the words of Jesus and through the writings of Paul. But before we get this, I just want to ask you what you'd like to say further about what you see going on in the world and in people. Well, and as you all know, we're counselors. So I mean, even by profession, we spend a lot of time with people every week from all walks of life. Um, We do a lot of virtual counseling. So for us, it can be all over the state of Texas um, that we are counseling people and definitely throughout the whole panhandle. But we're constantly hearing about people's pain and their struggle and the question of how, how are we supposed to live right now? We just don't even know. I mean, what are we supposed to be doing right now? So, and I do think in the 20... Three twenty-four years we've been counseling. There is definitely an intensity to, um, you know, what what's going on in people and the and a constancy <laughs> that I think is going on with people. And I, I sometimes think about the fact that my family, you know, is a large family, but we have a, a group 
you know, texturing. And sometimes in a given day, the stuff that's coming in from just my family or sometimes your family, I mean, we could pray full time just praying for our own immediate family without even, you know, branching out into our friends and our church and our community and the world. Or the people we counsel. And the people, yes. Um, It's just, it's constant. So, but I was really hit. I was with a friend, uh, yesterday that was telling me a story about going to see one of their doctors and they could tell that when they got there their doctor and the staff was just seemed pretty kind of tired and stressed and so they asked how the doctor was doing and the doctor proceeded to get pretty emotional and say that it is really hard and frustrating and that they had lost their own spouse to covid while they're treating other people for covid and just how living every day with the reality that being in the medical field and you know trying to save lives was not even able to save their own spouse and how hard and painful that's been and not only that just that it's exhausting to continue to work at this level and push at this level in their profession when they 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 have no hope for seeing any end in sight for this and also just the protocol and research is I mean, they're getting is changing constantly. And that's exhausting on top of treating patients to keep up with all of that. Imagine that, that. How, so, we, how we are feeling frustrated because of all the information and the mixed messages and it's hard to know who to believe and who to trust. And then you put yourself in a professional shoes mm-hmm. and they're dealing with a science that they have. They understand a lot of things about the body and the way it works, but, you know, there's things about viruses that, you know, nobody understands. They're learning, but it's, you learn as you go. And just to be in their shoes where you, mm-hmm. you're you supposed to have the answers. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be able to treat people and you feel that pressure and you just know, you know, we're, we're not God. We're not doing it. You know, I'd feel for them. And, and part of what we want to talk about here is I think that doctor is an example of somebody who is suffering, I mean, with the loss of their own spouse, but still engaged in the everyday life world of treating other people and, and being in that battle. And um, so us just really talking about what the Bible says about suffering, but what it also you know says about how, how do we live right now. And... Um, I mean, we know our world's suffering. We've said this. Our friends, our neighbors are suffering. Our family, we're suffering. Um, I mean, there are days that, you know, I just want to turn the news off and not hear about anything going on in the world because, I I mean, I just can't absorb anymore in a given day. So um, let's let's talk a little bit about, you know, first what the Bible has to say um, about this. Yeah, and we... The Bible does speak to these times that we live in. Um, and we have found comfort in Jesus's and then Paul's words about birth pains. Mm-hmm. Isn't that odd? It is odd. And what do you really know about birth pains? A bunch. Do you? What I, do you know? Well, I can tell you it was uh, horrible for us. <laughs> for when us. We, when we went through them with our kids. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was... I know you were the one that were having the birth pains, but it was hard for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are the feeler of the two well, of us more. But it's like I couldn't do anything about it. You were them. helpless. 
And yeah. and I remember one contraction you were having with Taylor, and I he was our first, and I'm not back then. I was not the man that I am today. <laughs> I have become a much stronger man. But I grabbed your hand as we're going through it, and I just didn't grab it hard enough, I guess. And I just remember you giving me a look like that is no support. <laughs> so I felt humiliated. Oh, brother. So I'm telling you, these birth pains are hard. Yeah. And they were they were hard. So. <laughs> but I don't think anybody's going to take me seriously about talking about birth pains um, before we talk about what Jesus or Paul said. So maybe you should say a little mm-hmm. bit about birth pains. Well, part of the reason we were thinking about the next podcast we were doing, one day we were sitting in our living room talking, and I told Worley that I just am often these days thinking about in Scripture where it talks about birth pangs and that they're, you know, going to get worse and more painful and harder. And um, and so it, it really just kind of was making me think about that. And part of it is that it feels like the contractions of suffering, uh, you know, around us and with the people we're involved with are getting closer together, so much so I mean, we're being hit, inundated from the world and the entire world's evil. I mean, there's such evil going on in places and suffering and then, you know, right down to our own world and family. And it really feels like they're getting so close together that it's hard to even catch see, our I breath. Can't, I can't relate to that in birth pains. I mean, I, I relate to what you're seeing in the world, but so what what happens in birth pains that you— that you experience as a woman who goes through labor. Um, and because this was very helpful to me when you when you were telling me this. Well, when a woman goes into labor, she starts out at a manageable pain level, basically, and the contractions are far apart. And um, you know, initially when you're in labor, there's plenty of time in between to catch your breath. I mean, you are, in many cases, women may not even know they're fully in labor when it starts. They, um, most cases, aren't in the hospital. They're still just living daily life at home when the contractions hit. You know, breathing's just natural. You're still taking care of your other kids or working or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so, like, in the early ones, it's like it comes upon you and it's it's enough that it kind of stops you for the you feel it few mm-hmm. minutes or minute or whatever it takes. You feel it. But it doesn't then, last near as long, and there's a lot of time in between. Okay. And that's the part that I'm relating to in the world is right now, it feels like there's a very little time in between. But with each contraction, it's preparing the body to deliver new life. And they get closer and closer together. And, you know, um, with that, the intensity of the pain as they get closer together is greater. And by the end of the birthing process, I mean, the pain becomes you know, more unbearable and the breathing becomes very short and quick and, um, you know, critical. Even how you breathe to kind of get through it is critical. And, you know, I mean, so what helps a woman get through this? I mean, we we all know it's the hope of that new life that's coming, that it's the joy that's before me that I'm going to get this baby that's going to enter uh, the world. And so all that laboring, um, not being able to hardly catch my breath has some purpose. It has, you know, a point at the end of all of that. 
So, so a lot of women today go get an epidural or something along the way, and you did, but you still feel the contractions, especially at the end, um, as I recall. Right. It's not like, so, and I'm saying this because any woman who's given birth to a baby understands this if if they've been able to give birth through natural childbirth. Now, not every woman's able to right. do that and has a cesarean and such, but... Which the, has its own suffering in giving life and its own recovery in giving life. Yeah, there's still that a suffering. a very different kind, but, but mm-hmm. there's a reason that Jesus used this, and he did, and then Paul uses this as an illustration, um, and, it's, and it's these things that you're describing here. So I think anybody who's been through this as a woman knows what this is like. And if you've been through it, you know, as a husband and have been present, you have, you at least have an idea of what what we're talking about here. Well, and it's the helplessness that you feel as, you know, a partner, as a spouse. And that helplessness, I mean, we all feel that all the time yeah. today too. Yeah. Was suffering. Yeah. And I, and I can say with our kids, there was this anticipation, mm-hmm. but a great nervousness of, are we going to get through this? Mm-hmm. And then what are we going to do when they get here? <laughs> <laughs> but but, it, are, was, are but gonna, it was. And I, I mean, yeah. it's like, is she going to get through this? Is Danina going to get through this? Are we going to get there? Is everything going to be okay? It's, you know, you, you know, so that's some of the anxiety that I think you, you know, go through as a man as you go through it. But, to, to move forward, both Jesus and Paul use a metaphor of childbirth to encourage us in the present days of suffering. And I want to read and briefly comment on passages from Jesus first, and then we'll go into a little more depth in a passage from Paul. So the passage where Jesus mentions this, I'm going to read from Mark 13. Uh, Matthew 24 speaks almost the same thing, and then uh, Luke 21 speaks similar to this, but let me just read the verses, Mark 13, 3 through 8. Um, and as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked Jesus privately, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things that are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains." And so there we go, birth pains. And the question of Jesus is, when will you assume your kingship, is what they wanted to know. He had made a statement about the temple, and they were responding to that statement with this question. When, when, when is this going to happen? And so Jesus, they, you know, un, unknown to them, because they weren't even clear that he was about to go to the cross. This is, you know, days before he's going to go to the cross. So... Jesus shares this with them. And if we went to Matthew 24, 3 and following, it basically says the same thing. Luke 21, 7 and following does not use the word birth pangs when he talks about this, but he describes these events using similar words 
and also adds pestilences to the list of events that make up birth pain. So pestilences are diseases resulting in pandemics. And I highlight this because of our current awareness of pandemics. And modern medicine will never have all the answers that we may be led to believe they have. We have doctor friends throughout our life who've always said there's much they don't know. So this occurrence of a pandemic has occurred throughout history. It's just now we are very aware of it because we're living it. Mm -hmm. So I want to say it's not our intent in these podcasts to talk about the end times, as most people think about end times. We're not into predictions. And I don't believe that this is usually healthy or helpful to try to read the signs. Now, I mean, I have a conviction about eschatology. I believe certain things, but that's not this discussion. Um, and I, I believe that it, it can be done to an excess. Later in Mark 13, Jesus says, concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, that's a you know, a stunning statement. Jesus, for when he became a man, he set aside who he was as God. So he didn't know when he was saying this. Only the Father. But the point there being is we, we, we won't know. And so this is not a discussion of figuring out if we're about to enter the tribulation, whether we want to talk about the use of the term birth pains. I mean, why did Jesus use this to tell us about these times in which we live? And he's getting his disciples to understand what things were going to be like between his first coming and his second coming. He chooses to use this descriptive term, to talk about the days in which we live. We live between when he came the first time and he died on the cross for our sins and he was raised and then he went to be at the right hand of the Father and, and that his kingdom is advancing into the world. And then his second coming in which he will openly rule the world. Why the term birth pains? So Wyckoff Bible Commentary says the word birth pains is a word meaning sorrows. So if you think about between the time when Jesus was here the first time and today, it's a time of sorrows. It's, that term was used by the Jews to describe the afflictions and woes that are to usher in the, the second coming when he's to return. Bible Knowledge Commentary says birth pains refers to the period of intense suffering preceding the birth of the new age the Messianic kingdom, when Jesus will ultimately rule and reign on earth, and we will see him and participate with him. So he's describing this time in which we live as a time of sorrow, as a time of suffering, but more specifically, it's the same kind of sorrow and suffering that a woman goes through when she's in the process of giving birth to her child. As you mentioned a moment ago in describing what labor's like, you said that the pain is more manageable at first when the contractions are far apart. 
but they only intensify and get closer together as the birth of the baby nears. You even said that near the end, a woman may have a hard time catching her breath. So, we, Which is the reason I told you that it just made me think of these passages and these words is it, it feels like it's hard for everybody to catch their breath. And, and I think in this way, it's a gift to us, this, this picture, is we've been living in birth pain since our whole life. Right. And every Christian since Jesus ascended into heaven right. has been in a period of birth pain. Right. But the intensity we is we're, we're experiencing is increasing. And we talk to a lot of older people and that, I mean, will tell us what it's been like in their lifetime, and they really will say this. So, so as believers, no should be no surprise here. Mm-hmm. We, we should embrace this. We should have been embracing this all of our Christian life. And if we haven't been, we need to now. We need to take seriously that we're, we're, we're going to find it more and more harder to catch our breath. Now, who knows how long this will go? Mm-hmm. Only the Father knows. I mean, when I was in labor with our son, I got stuck midway for hours and hours. And I just thought, am I ever going to progress? Is this baby ever going to get here? Um, unlike, unlike our daughter who, I mean, she came before I could even, you know, hardly... I was breathing to not deliver her <laughs> until the doctor could arrive. Yeah. So, you know, I just having a couple different experiences. But I think when in labor, when you get stuck, and sometimes women they end up having to have cesareans and all of that, it's because they, they, they do get, you know, stuck in that period of time. And and, and just even maybe part of the reason the analogy is used is because the the various kinds of labors that women go through is is different. You mm-hmm. got stuck with one, the other one very quickly that we can't know. Right. And that's not really what he wants to encourage us with. But 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 he does want us to be comfortable with the fact that there's sorrow, there is suffering, there's labor from when Christ came to one and, day when we'll be with him again. And it's purposeful. Mm-hmm. And it and it is leading to something and it's not wasted. And we're not just it, you know, this isn't like if I can go back to what you said earlier of uh, the the physician who's very tired and very discouraged and can't see any end. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't believe that. We believe that everything that is happening and going on, no matter how difficult, is done because of what God is doing and mm-hmm. that we're a part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he's he's giving going to give birth to new life. And and that ultimate life coming in Jesus. Right. And, and so I, I think we can relate to an increasing intensity of the times just in our lifetime as well, whereas the sorrows that accompany them. Um, more recently, there does seem to be no let up. Um, and who knows why? Is it because we're in COVID right now and all of a sudden we're going to come out of this and it's going to be better for a while? We don't know. But the the message is going to be the same of what we should do with this. And so let's talk about the birth pains as Paul writes in Romans 8. So let me just read this passage to give context and then you've got quite a few things to say about this. 
So I'm going to begin in verse 14 to give some context. Paul saying in Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So he's talking about believers here, people who have the Spirit in them. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, a couple quick comments. One is, we are his children as believers. We don't have to live in fear. We had a podcast about that last month. We, um, we live with fear, but not in fear. We cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. I mean, the sufferings are going to cause us to, to, to cry out. And that as his children, um, we, will, we will suffer with him so that ultimately one day we'll be glorified with him. So this is all headed somewhere. Now, let me pick it up in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning, same word that's used for labor, groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For we in this, for in this hope we are saved. Now we hope, hope that is seen is not hope, for one hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Groaning is going to be the big theme here in in this labor and childbirth. So let me make one comment on verse 20, and then you're going to say words about groaning. I just want to say that um, the reality the the world finds itself in today is exactly the place God has intended for it to be. Now let that sink in. What's going on in the world today is exactly what God has intended for it to be. Verse 20 says, the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. God is the one who put the curse on man, provided the deliverer in Jesus for man. And now Jesus is said to us, we're in this period of, um, of labor. Paul is saying, that all these struggles are ultimately from the work of God. John MacArthur in his commentary in Romans 8 says, Paul reveals that the curse on nature was executed by its creator. God himself is the one who subjected it to futility. Although various environmental organizations and government agencies today make noble attempts to protect and restore natural resources and and regions, they're helpless to turn the tide of corruption that has continually devastated both man 
and his environment since the fall. Such is the destructiveness of sin that one man's disobedience brought corruption to the entire universe. And then this is the part I want to highlight. This is not a friendly earth, but a violent and a dangerous one. It is a ridiculous fantasy to think it is not cursed and it naturally yields a comfortable life. Rather, decay, disease, pain, death, natural disaster, pollution, and all other forms of evil will never cease until the one who sent the curse removes it and creates a new heaven and a new earth. The one who sent the curse removes it and creates a new heaven and a new earth. And that's where we come back to the whole idea of birth pangs in that, you know, as a mother, I'm the one that's going to, you know, give give life to my child in the same way that, you know, Paul's using this metaphor here that what starts with that groaning um, inwardly for us, that constant groaning is going to end um, with glory. And I, I just think it's important here, and I don't want to spend very much time here, but just that, I mean, we see that creation's groaning. Um, you know, while you and I want to be good stewards of what God has created for us to manage and enjoy, I mean, we can't save creation. It, it, it's also groaning to be made right. It's irreversible changing and deteriorating. And so it doesn't take away responsibility, but we're also living you know, with what you're saying, the direction that God, our Creator, is, yeah, is and, taking us, and, and don't don't believe the lie that says somehow humankind is going to save the earth. Again, we we believe in stewardship and responsibility to fight against the effects of the curse, and we've been given that. That's part of our identity as being image bearers: is that we rule and subdue the earth, we take care of it, but. Um, it's moving in this direction. And believers need to, to, to live out what does the Scripture say. This is what it says. So all of creation is groaning. And um, my flower beds this summer have really been beautiful. They they've have. really been the prettiest that they've you know, been in several years, and some of that is I've been home in, more. And you live in the Texas Panhandle. <laughs> yeah, where it's and very hard have to have beautiful weather. flower beds. <laughs> but they have been um, very pretty. And we've had more rain this year. I've been home more to manage them. Um, but I went to Colorado for a week, and then I came back, and I was so behind. I and hardly, I was in charge. And you were in charge, <laughs> and I hardly had any time to do it the second week. So... You kept up with just the watering the second week, um, and you did a great job watering. You but, you kept everything living. That was the extent of it. Mm-hmm. The only thing is he had no concept <laughs> of that some kind of grasshopper or bugs <clears throat> were eating the leaves. They were getting holes in them. There was a white film on there was. All, all the zinnia. <laughs> exactly. And um, so after a two-week period of time, I mean, grasshoppers and these other insects had destroyed many of the plants. And um, not only that, but I had just a couple of sunflowers that started real small in kind of a round bed that I have. And those things, you said they were bullies because they took over every other flower. They were growing up almost as tall as my tree. They were crazy. Which we but you did a good them. job watering. But we, you know, you, you saying, helped them grow. So the sunflower is not a weed, but it acts like a weed. Is well, it a weed? 
No, it took over though. And the point here is that all of creation is groaning. I mean, we we can't just plant flowers and expect them to stay beautiful. Right. And we see it grown through the seasons. Yeah. We go from, you know, spring and into summer and then into fall and then into winter. And they die. And they die. Things things die. And even in, you know, nice climates, it's it's you still have to struggle with the insects and all that's going to come. Um, and so that just was an, you know, an example I thought about when I was out trying to recover from the two weeks I was gone. And it wasn't because you weren't trying to take care of them. Um, but it, it took very little after, you know, three months of things looking nice and pretty. It took two weeks for basically my flower bed to um, look like it'd been destroyed. But, so, but just just in the picture of that, that creation, you can just envision creation, you personify it as it's groaning to be able to display its beauty and to grow without having to fight so hard to live. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that there's so many things against it. Mm-hmm. It's groaning. And since the Garden of Eden, we, yes. we have had to labor once again Thinking of labor, we've had to labor to even help creation. And so the increase in wildfires, it's groaning. Earthquakes, it's groaning. Hurricanes, you know, the things that have to fight just to come back to live. Hmm. So creation's groaning. We see in this Romans 8 passage that God's children are groaning. And we're groaning because of sin and its impact in, you know, my own heart but also in our marriages, our families, our churches, our, you know, countries. We're groaning because of cancer and, um, you know, COVID. And, I mean, just the older we get, the more we groan. Because, I mean, you and I have been doing a lot of groaning, I feel like, saying for some reason we just can't do what we always used to do. Well, I I used to wake up in the morning and feel good. I don't feel good when I wake up anymore. You don't. No. No. That's a fairly recent year in the last few years thing. Mm -hmm. And And it's not because you don't sleep. No, and it's not because I'm not doing the things I need to do. Mm -hmm. It's just, and and we've got a pretty good bed. (laughs) But, I mean, I hit the floor in my feet, and I'm kind of like, I mean, there's just hurt. Mm -hmm. And I know you have it. Yeah, so we're, you know, we groan physically as we get older, but we groan also because of an intense emotional, you know, pain that we have and the mental battles that are there and because of a straining economy, how hard we actually have to work to just pay our bills. Um, And in in many cases, um, employers aren't able to, you know, hire people um, because they, you know, the people can't work for that that rate and have housing or some of them today won't, um, you know, won't work. I, I mean, it's just as children, we're groaning. We're, and I know we're all groaning just with the evil in the world where value is not placed upon life. I mean, there's the racial issues and the human trafficking and abortion. And I mean, the horrific executions in Afghanistan and around the world recently. So, I mean, we we are groaning. I'm groaning to not have to struggle with sin in my own heart and my own life. Um, and then we also know, so we know creation's groaning. We as God's children are groaning, but the Holy Spirit is groaning. And we see that um, 
here in this Romans 8 passage. You no, know, I didn't read that verse 26, but it goes on to talk about the spirit groaning and groaning too deep for words. Mm-hmm. So um, just a little further in that same passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It says the spirit groans with groanings too deep for words. And it's really an amazing thought that in the same way the spirit groans with groanings you know, that we're groaning, that the Spirit within us, if we're a believer in Jesus Christ, we have the Spirit within us, and the Spirit's groaning. Um, And uh, one speaker says, the Holy Spirit is intimately involved in the agonizing reality of the burden and the weight of sin in the lives of those in whom He lives. So we know we can quench the Holy Spirit in us when we sin or we continue in a pattern of sin, but it's saying that the Holy Spirit is um, agonizing the over that burden and that weight. And the Holy Spirit um, unites with our desire to be free from the sin, from the flesh, and our unredeemed humanity. Um, he's groaning for us to receive full salvation, full sonship, because this passage goes on in Romans 8 to talk about how we're adopted. We just haven't received our inheritance yet. So, the Holy Spirit's groaning with us in that for us to be made right and for our eternal glory even though our eternal glory is secured, um, it's by this intercession, you know, of the Holy Spirit, and that this is all necessary, and just that the Holy Spirit is helping us in our weakness, says in verse twenty six, as we're groaning. So I, I think here um, we've probably kind of belabored Romans eight some here, but it's you know the point is it's full of promise. It's there's the promise. I mean, that goes on in this passage. This, I mean, it starts with that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And, you know, it ends with, in Romans 8, that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Absolutely nothing. And in the middle of all of this, I mean, it, we have this tension that we're groaning inwardly. And, and we didn't say this, but that word in the original language goes back to birth pangs, Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for groaning. So I don't think we release. Maybe you did say that. Um, and, and just comment before you make, you know, a closing comment about this part on groaning. But it's, you know, when a woman groans in labor, nobody says, hey, what, why are you groaning? What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. It's understood. It's mm-hmm. part of it. It's part of the birthing that gives life. And so, as believers, if you're groaning, you're joining creation that's groaning, you're joining the Spirit that's groaning, and you're groaning. Now, we're groaning towards a purpose. It's not complaining. And then, Yeah, we're not saying grumbling. Right. We're and, saying groaning, and remember that Worley said that that word means sorrow. So, there, there's really a grieving, a sorrowing for things to be made right. And in our application, we we may say this, but so let your complaints be groaning instead of grumbling. Let it be toward the Lord about these times we lived in. Let it be towards his purposes. But it's okay to groan. It's you should be. You we should all be feeling this. We're in good company with creation and the spirit. And and the more we're groaning, the more we're reminded that, you know, as we'll talk about in the application, we're not home yet, that we're not God. <laughs> um, one of the uh, promises, uh, you know, that, like I said, we see there's no condemnation, that 
There's nothing can separate us from love of God. I mean, this, you know, Romans 8 is the passage that says, you know, we're more than conquerors. Um, I can, and and also that God's working everything together for good, for, good right. for those who love him, you know, but for his purposes. I mean, Romans 8 is rich. So we would invite you all to read that and really think about it over and over again. Um, Elizabeth Elliot's whole philosophy of life and ministry was summed up in some words that she once wrote. And I'm going to share those with you. She said, we have proved beyond any doubt that he, God, means what he says. His grace is sufficient. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. We pray that if any anywhere are fearing the cost of discipleship is too great, they may be given a glimpse of the treasure in heaven promised to all who forsake. So I that that quote is just really talking about what we're saying that there's the you know the the groaning and even fear is is a is part of that of the cost sometimes of discipleship but um, she says, we pray that they may be given a glimpse of the treasure in heaven promised to all who forsake. Thank you again for joining us today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more content from Worley and Danina, we encourage you to visit redeemedheartsministries.com. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and share this episode on social media. Please feel free to reach out and contact us through the website. God bless.